This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Saturday edition of the Best of Fight Back from the week that was. Just because you're double vaccinated against COVID-19 does not mean you're protected against the flu. There seems to be some confusion about this in the 65-plus crowd. So our friends at CARP, A New Vision of Aging, want to make the message clear. Get your flu shot and the high-dose shot if you're 65 or over. Libby spoke with our Zoomer squad about this on Monday, along with what we knew at that point about the new COVID-19 Omicron variant. Peter Mugrich is senior editor at Zoomer magazine. David Kravitz is chief membership officer at CARP and vice president at Zoomer Media. And Bill Van Gorder is chief operating and chief policy officer at CARP, a new vision of aging. What the misunderstanding seems to be is that folks seem to feel that since they've had their COVID shots, they won't need their flu shot this year. And that's absolutely untrue. We know that was the case in Australia, who always have their flu season prior to us. And even as as late as on Friday, I was talking with a health business colleague whose husband uh, informed her that he didn't think he needed his flu shot because uh, he'd already had his COVID shot. So there's somebody really close to the real Mm -hmm. information, and even he didn't uh, know that. People have to understand that uh, uh, the flu vaccine, especially for for older Ontarians, the high dose, which is now available uh, at no no charge to all seniors in Ontario, we have to get that uh, flu vaccine because the risks are, in fact, even greater this year. David, what's your take on this? Well, I think Bill's right. You have to get everything, and I think that you can get them both, and um, I know that when I went into my local uh, uh, pharmacy to get the the high-dose flu, I could have received my COVID booster, and the only thing stopping me was that I haven't gone through enough days since I got my second shot at the end of June. But they were ready to give it to me, but they couldn't, you know, because of the calendar thing. But I could walk in and get that, too. So it's there. It's available. Um, I did see a fairly brisk, um, you know, attendance level. This is only anecdotal at my local uh, pharmacy. So I I don't think there's like no knowledge of this, but I do agree with Bill that it can be a bit confusing. And a lot of people might think they're protected because of COVID uh, and that the flu is, you know, lesser important. But anything that weakens your system, anything that protects you conversely against uh, getting flu or getting anything that weakens your system you you really should be taking every precaution you possibly can. Just in general, Zoomers and traveling and the kind of damper this new variant is is probably putting on that. So uh, Doug and I, my husband and I, went to New York City. We have not been for quite a while. And 
uh, it was true what we had heard that that New Yorkers are pretty responsible. They are very good about masking. They are very good about checking vaccine passports. For half the trip, the weather was really quite warm. Uh, people sit outside a lot. But the one thing that was a bit jarring, I'll say, was uh, there are crowds in New York. I mean, not a big surprise. So it, kind of more people around than usual. So it it was it was terrific. But you know, I when I talk to my friends or other people, travel. You know, people are really talking about travel and when where they're going to go. This is as of a week ago, and then suddenly there's this thing. Peter. Yeah, and just speaking to one of my coworkers who is planning to travel home for the first time in ages, uh, she's worried now about uh, you know what what this is going to mean. Whether we're going to see border closures again, you know, whether countries are going to try to get on top of it and just just cut off all travel right away. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that's the worry going through people's minds, and um, it's definitely uh, caused people to you know. It's a, it's a setback in the, in their plans. They thought it was all going to go swimmingly. All they needed was was the uh, PCR test. But now now this thing is out there, and and you know I, I you know it's going to be a tense few days to to hear what the experts say about it and uh, whether it's going to affect plans or not. Peter Mugridge, senior editor at Zoomer Magazine. David Kravitz, chief membership officer at CARP and vice president at Zoomer Media. And Bill Van Gorder, chief operating and chief policy officer at CARP, a new vision of aging. Fight Back's Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. As the world waits to hear if the established COVID vaccines are effective against the new Omicron variant, Fight Back tried to get as much information to you during this past week on what this new variant is all about. One of those conversations was with Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table. Libby spoke with Dr. Uni on Monday, just days after the variant was first revealed in South Africa. Remember, um, we did really well with Delta, and now it's a matter of attitude. You know, currently it's challenging, but uh, we just need to do it again. It's probably more difficult for people this time. The holidays are coming and people were kind of expecting a break. Yeah, only the virus doesn't care, no. It's this variant, it's really, really concerning. We need to be aware of that. You know, there are still people out there who say, yeah, well, you know, we don't know enough and perhaps it's not that concerning. They simply don't understand the epidemiology of this thing. It's clear, you know, it took three to four weeks in uh, South Africa to take over from uh, from Delta. And we need to remember that that Delta took about three months to take over from Beta in uh, in South Africa. That's the variant they had before, which was about the same as Alpha. And it took about three months here in Ontario for Delta to take over from Alpha, meaning this thing is just much faster. And that's a fact. And we don't know all the details yet, but we can't assume that it's less severe. Um, right now, we have first hospitalization data coming in, which uh, doesn't look that exciting. And uh, we certainly need to be aware of it's more transmissible. Is it possible that it's more transmissible uh, because of the conditions in South Africa and because so, such a small percentage is vaccinated? 
Now, look, a lot of people there, unfortunately, had the infection. So we have obviously 25% only roughly of people uh, vaccinated. But, you know, probably 80% of people were infected. And that's a challenge. Um, so what we're seeing there is the mass majority of people have some immunity. And uh, this thing flourishes despite that. In your opinion, it's it's already sort of confirmed or safe to say that it is more transmissible. Oh, absolutely. What we can't say is right now how much is the contribution of transmissibility and how much is the contribution of uh, of evading the immune system. And it doesn't matter whether you got immune through vaccine or through natural infection. There it seems to be, you know, based on everything we know, a partial capacity to do that at least. We don't understand how much is the contribution of these two aspects, but together it gives this virus an edge. We have heard some reports that the infections are less severe. Um, I've heard uh, reports uh, that it doesn't cause the loss of, loss of taste and smell. Um, are those reliable? No. So first of all, we need to be aware of that the uh, the age distribution in South Africa is much different from what we have here. We have here a lot more uh, people who are uh, elderly than uh, South Africans have. Uh, the other part is, yes, it could result in a different set of symptoms. We will find out about that later. What I find, you know, relatively concerning right now is just the first hospital statistics now that just came in. There was a clear increase in uh, hospital admissions uh, in the province of Gauteng, um, where this all started just uh, one or two weeks ago. This just came in. So uh, I wouldn't hope for this thing being less serious. I hope it's not more serious. The reason that the first two cases were detected in Ontario is really because our surveillance system is working well. I would bet a lot, you know, that we already would have probably quite a lot of cases that we could detect in the U.S. Only nobody knows. And we just need to be very careful. We don't only have, you know, airplanes coming in, etc. We also have a very long land border and we need to, uh, to do something about it. But obviously this is, uh, you know, beyond just uh, Ontario, but uh, this will need to be looked at. Okay, Dr. Uni, we only have a few seconds left. What would you like to leave us with? Well, we're in a much better position than, uh, you know, a few months ago when Delta came and Alpha came, etc. We have vaccines, we have therapies. Get vaccinated, get your third shot, stop overthinking any of that. You know, we all need to get as immune as we can when this thing enters the province. Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID-19 Science Advisory Table. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, to travel or not to travel? That is the question. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The Omicron variant is a development that is throwing into uncertainty many people's Christmas and winter travel plans. But will the new rules and restrictions slow down or even stop the advance of the new variant? 
The biggest challenge now is for those international travelers coming back to Canada, with the exception of those who've only been to the U.S. These individuals need to take a COVID test at the airport upon arrival and then quarantine until the results come in. Libby spoke about this on Wednesday with Martin Firestone, travel expert and president of Travel Secure Inc., and epidemiologist Dr. Alon Vaisman, infectious disease specialist at the University Health Network. Yes, yeah, so if we're focusing just on the, the new announcement regarding the testing and the isolation, I think it may have the effect of slowing down the transmission of the virus. But the question is, to what extent is it already here and to what extent is it in the U.S.? And the reason that's important is because this, um, this policy does not apply to people traveling from the U.S. So it makes sense to initiate some of these restrictions in the meanwhile but uh, the travel bans themselves are, are different, and I, I think that is probably of less value. Okay, and and uh, Martin, uh, I bet it's uh, going to slow down business. <laughs> I would say we are one step forward and two steps back with what's happened now. We were just beginning to think it was behind us. We were having a banner month of people, everybody getting away. And as of the last two days, hesitancy galore on international travel for sure. And even to the U.S., they're worrying about this upcoming Thursday, what potential announcements going to be made with respect to a new requirement to enter into the U.S. One of the favorite things of our leaders at all levels of government, one of the favorite things they've been saying for the last few days is it's, it's a cause for concern, but it's, it's not a cause for panic. So my question is, what's a cause for panic and, and what will be made better by us panicking? I mean, really, what, I mean, what are they saying with that, Dr. Vaisman? I think a cause for panic might be if we find out that this new variant is truly a lot more deadly, so a lot more virulent than the previous variants we had, and is in fact as transmissible as is theorized. But if it's simply more transmissible with either equivalent or less virulent, then it's not a you know a cause to panic. And I'm assuming panic means to some extent more restrictions or some kind of higher level of you know authoritarian you know measures or something. But of course, panic doesn't necessarily mean being irrational. But really, right now, we don't know the answer to that question. We don't know if this new variant is far more virulent than what we currently have. And so these kinds of um, mandates regarding traveling, coming into the country, testing and isolation are kind of one way that you could possibly slow down the transmission of this virus until we do know more. Uh, and Martin, what's your sense? I mean, it, it isn't affecting people going to and from the United States. So uh, what's your sense from your clients? Well, it's not yet. I mean, as I said, Thursday, you could find out a couple things that he wants uh, a one day, 24 hour test result as opposed to the current 72 hour one, which I'm not quite sure how you run and get one and get the results and get yourself uh, uploaded and all that and get yourself ready to go. So that's a concern. But the real concern would be if he enforced, this is President Biden, the a seven-day quarantine for all people entering the U.S. That would be problematic, I think. So that's a major concern. And internationally, no one I know wants to be in some country and find out that they can't get back to Canada, as is what's happening in South Africa. So that's causing tremendous concern at this point. Dr. Vaisman, to uh, to wrap things up, you know, the science table said yesterday, we need public health measures. So what would you want to tell our audience to be doing um, in addition to what they probably are already doing, even though we're all kind of relaxing, I guess? 
Yeah, I think what we, how we'll behave and what will be the appropriate things to do over the next few weeks really depends on what we find out about the variant and how much cases already will rise here in Ontario. So I would advise the audience to pay careful attention to the numbers and pay careful attention to the announcements by Dr. Tam and Dr. Moore about whether additional limitations will be recommended, such as limitations in the number of people gathering and that kind of thing. But certainly, as you said, a lot of the audience is already doing the right thing, which is, you know, masking, getting vaccinated, hand hygiene, all the regular things that we've been talking about. Libby's conversation on Wednesday with epidemiologist Dr. Alon Baseman, infectious disease specialist at the University Health Network, and Martin Firestone, travel expert and president of Travel Secure, Inc. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. One in two Canadians will get cancer in their lifetime. One in four will die of cancer. That's why on this past Giving Tuesday, Zoomer Radio was proud to host a radiothon to support the Princess Margaret Cancer Center, a world leader in cancer research and treatment. So many of us have relied on Princess Margaret for world-renowned patient care, including my mom, Sandy, who did not survive her bladder cancer, and my sister, Deborah, who's been cancer-free for 18 years after her treatment at Princess Margaret. And if you're a longtime listener to Zoomer Radio, you know that Princess Margaret Cancer Center saved the life of our own Libby Snymer after she was diagnosed with stage 3 pancreatic cancer. And her case has led to improvement for other patients around the world. Supporting this institution is especially important now as we emerge from the COVID crisis. When thousands of Canadians died because of delayed surgeries, other treatments, and delayed cancer screening. Dr. Aaron Schimmer is director of the Research Institute at Princess Margaret Cancer Center and a physician in hematology oncology at Princess Margaret. And Bruce Carr is a volunteer with the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. What I do, Libby, is my official name um, or or my position is a navigator. So what I essentially do with fellow volunteers is we greet patients, and their caregivers and their friends and family as they come into the center. We answer any questions they might have. We also provide whatever support and guidance they need as they they go on routes to the various clinics that they need to visit. But also, and probably most importantly, Libby, we provide a listening ear. Um, As many people can relate to, uh, many of the patients are understandably concerned, anxious, and confused. So it's it's always important that we listen to their needs and address them accordingly. And also volunteers at the uh, PMCC are one of the first people patients uh, meet. So it's really important that we create a positive and friendly environment when they arrive at the center. And you also asked why. Why am I a volunteer? Well, unfortunately, many years ago, my mom was at uh, Princess Margaret Cancer Center, as well as uh, more recently, three very close friends. So I had the chance to not only provide them uh, with with support and serve as their caregiver, but I was also able to see the extraordinary support that they received from the staff at uh, Princess Margaret. So in addition, so I thought 
how can I reciprocate? How can I thank the, the Princess Margaret? So in addition to financially supporting them, I thought, hey, why don't I donate my time? So I've been a volunteer for four years now. I volunteer approximately eight hours a week. And finally, and last but not least, um, why I volunteer is so I can support and help the patients and the caregivers and the family and friends um, in any way I can during these uh, challenging times. Dr. Aaron Schimmer, let's uh, bring you in. It's been uh, an especially challenging time with COVID. I know that the Princess Margaret has kept up with certainly with situations that are deemed to be an emergency, but um, how has, you know, the backlog affected you and your colleagues? So, so there have been impacts on many levels, and as you've alluded to, that there was a period of time where clinical activity for, for anything but the most urgent of cases, and some aspects of cancer, if you can believe it, were not classified as the most urgent, had to be delayed due to the pandemic. We had to ensure that there were sufficient ICU and hospital beds available for their care. But as we've been able to get a better handle on the virus, understand it better, that we're able now to reopen. But as you alluded to, that produces a significant backlog of cases. We need to catch up. People shouldn't be waiting or shouldn't have to wait for the time that they have. And we need to not only deal with the new cases, but again, the backlog. But one of the things I, I touch on relates to maybe also what Bruce is saying, what you've discussed, is that the other effect of COVID has just been that visitors and family members yeah. can't accompany patients to their visit. That, that's been a huge impact of COVID, maybe one that's not talked about. And so the importance of our staff, that team that's with you, including the tremendous volunteers like Bruce, is just so important, especially in these continued difficult times. Bruce Carr, what what would you like to leave us with? Um, there are a couple of things, Libby. Um, first and foremost, um, anyone can volunteer as long as you're over 16 years of age. We have university students. We have people who are retired. We have professionals that work part-time and full-time. They volunteer. If anyone's interested in volunteering, all they need to do is go into Google and type in UHN volunteer, and there's reams and reams of information available for them to look at. And also, it's not just volunteering at the hospital. The Princess Margaret Foundation has some wonderful initiatives throughout the year. Your listeners are probably aware of the Ride to Conquer Cancer, which takes place in June. They're probably aware of the Weekend End Cancers, which takes place in September. So if people can't dedicate, you know, X number of hours a week, similar to what I do, they can certainly dedicate a weekend here, a weekend there throughout the year and help with the Princess Margaret Foundation initiatives. Bruce Carr, volunteer with the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation, and Dr. Aaron Schimmer, director of the Research Institute at Princess Margaret Cancer Center and a physician in hematology oncology at Princess Margaret. If you did not get a chance to donate on Giving Tuesday and you would like to, that opportunity is still available at zoomerradiothon.ca. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. 
Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the past week. Ian in London called with a good question about the new rule requiring most international travelers to quarantine until they get their COVID test results back. If you come back into the country and you test positive, how do you self-isolate going from the airport to your home? Uh, somebody has to take you and you're obviously not self-isolating. You could be potentially spreading it. So what exactly do they mean by that? Shelley in Thornhill called about traveling and COVID testing. My husband and I went to visit my daughter and grandson in the U.S. We uh, came back on Monday, this past Monday, and my after doing our PCR tests and getting, you know, negative results, and when we crossed the border, my husband was lucky enough to be picked to be random sampled yet again. He had to do another PCR test. And we had to do it at home. Yep. And we had to do it within 24 hours. Needless to say, as seniors, we were totally exhausted. So we started to do it yesterday morning. And it was the worst experience I've ever had on any Internet site in the you know, all the years that I've used the internet and different sites. And okay, did you get it done? Yeah, we got it done, but it took an hour and a half of our lives. And um, it was ridiculous and it was hard. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fightback Knockout Call of the Week comes from Wendy in Guelph, who says the billion dollars in pandemic relief that went to Ontario businesses in error needs to be paid back. I live on a disability and I had started a small business, which did not qualify. And I found that out two payments in. So I stopped. And so that $4,000 and my income is only 25000 a year. And um, they're making me pay that $4,000 back, even though I mistakenly didn't qualify. And I live on, well, reduced food and prayers of getting through. So I don't know why these other big high rollers don't have to pay back any of the money that they knowingly got because after a couple of months you know you're not entitled so you either stop taking it or you continue taking it that does it for today's best to fight back on zoomer radio if you'd like to qualify for the fight back knockout call of the week phone us noon to one weekdays or if you have a comment email us at fightback at zoomer.ca follow us on twitter at fightback libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fightback. The best of Fightback is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.